This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Sarah Liu, who's the founder and managing director of the Dream Collective. G'day, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, now, the Dream Collective is a passion project, but it's also a business. Uh, Sarah, how does it work as a business? What What do you actually? What's your product? Sure. So the Dream Collective was a passion project that was founded by me about five years ago. Um, but we have since grown to be um, a leading business, um, helping uh, organizations um, build their diversity and inclusion strategy. So the Dream Collective is a global diversity and inclusion consultancy. We specialize in helping businesses either attract, retain or advance um, diverse talent. And we have a niche focus in helping businesses work with um, in particular, um, emerging female talent in technology. So when you say diverse, do you mean, uh, is it mostly women? Um, is it mostly Correct. referred so, to females? Um, whilst diversity is a really broad, um, I think, sort of spectrum, the area that we focus um, we focus on and particularly have um, are known for our expertise is very much in the gender diversity space. So um, helping organisations developing strategies to attract, retain, advance their female talent in particular. So do you mainly, mainly work for companies or do you, do you also work for individuals? I note that you've, you've, on your website you have... Um, you know, courses and so on. Are those are those those for individuals as well as we companies? We work with um, businesses, so we are very much a B two B organization. Um, the organizations would um, typically engage um, us to develop strategy, to deliver trainings, um, and help them build employer branding um, to really showcase them and help them strength um, their positioning as an employer of choice, particularly through the lens of diversity um, and inclusion. And so, um, I think you know, in terms of our service and offerings, what that looks like. We offer um, strategic advisory pieces um, and we provide training. So we um, usually uh, apply a five-pillar framework and a proprietary process um, to all of our clients that engage with us to make sure that we can help them build a very holistic strategy and help them bring that to life through implementation as well. So what are the five pillars? So the five pillars um, are basically covering like an end-to-end process. So the first one is hiring. Second one is training, then uh, evaluating, promoting, and flexibility. So basically, hiring is looking at your hiring process, your interviewing panels, the questions you ask, where you advertise your ads. You know, are they well positioned to attract um, and appeal to a diverse uh, range of clients, oh, sorry, of candidates? And then when it comes to training, we look at, you know, um, how well equipped your managers are um, in terms of building and knowing how to build inclusive teams and inclusive culture. Do people um, have trainings, adequate trainings around conscious biases? Then um, the evaluating, um, reviewing process is looking at organizations and their performance evaluation metrics. You know, do they have biases um, built in there? And is that a really fair and unbiased approach that they take? And then promoting as well, you know, are we promoting the right talent to uh, leadership? You know, are we celebrating um, the difference of diversity of skills um, that they uh, bring? Or are we promoting people uh, that basically promotes, you know, homogeneity? And then we look at flexibility as the last pillar, which is um, flexibility in terms of how we work, location, um, timing, and uh, ways of working, etc. So uh, what we know from research, insight, and experience is that if we can cover all these five processes, if any organizations look at these five processes and have got it right, um, if we have the process right, and then the results will come. Do you find that um, companies 
tend to really listen to you or, or, are they, or do they hire you to just tick the diversity box? So it's a very interesting question because I think in the market right now, we definitely see um, there's a bit of diversity fatigue in terms of you know diversity and inclusion being um, perceived or viewed as a bit of tick the box compliance um, sort of uh, element. But I would say that the clients that work with us, they are um, deeply invested in this area. So we embark on the journey with clients for a minimum of 12 months because I think any less than that, um, we the, the level and the depth of impact that we can make um, would be quite, it would be compromised. So we make sure that we work with clients at least from like a 12 to 18 month minimum. And that helps us, um, I suppose, qualify um, and ensure that the right clients come through to us who are deeply invested and are committed to making a difference. And how do you charge? Is it by the hour or do you do you have a standard fee for the whole project? So we have a um, pretty uh, standard rate car that we share with our clients. So because the global nature of um, what we do, we operate in Sydney, Melbourne, Tokyo, Singapore and Shanghai. Um, we take on a very much a regional um, rate car approach um, to ensure that our costing and pricing are consistent um, and the client can engage with us um, on a project basis um, or a sort of on a retainer basis. And um, uh, you're finding companies are, are really in trouble in this area and some, sometimes I presume the companies that, that get you in uh, realise that they have a problem and therefore do have a problem. Is that uh, it's, it's interesting. I think some companies who are actually in trouble don't realise that they're in trouble. Um, and companies that often engage with us, um, I think we find a particular niche in businesses, in emerging businesses. And because of our expertise in tech, um, we find businesses that are recently listed or about to be listed who um, have been fast growing, um, who knows that they need to get it right, but hasn't had the kind of rigour in place um, to date. Um, we find that that being an emerging segment of customers who um, really resonates with what we offer. I interview a lot of companies and um, I quite so often I've, I look on the, the board of directors and the mm. senior management and there's either no women or one woman there and I think, oh, God, they're not really trying. And I, I'm, I imagine that, that um, with companies that realise they have a problem, that's kind of the main thing they need to do, that once any company that kind of understands that, that there's a problem, I suppose they've, uh, they're halfway there. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, the important thing for us um, to do here is really to focus on the cost of not doing anything. I think the in the market, we hear about, you know, the benefits of diversity and inclusion and what that achieves. And they are absolutely right. But I think um, we very much need to emphasize the cost of not doing anything for businesses. You know, the, the cost of having very homogenous thinking in your organization, the inability to innovate as a result of lack of diversity, the risk um, and the vulnerability that you expose your business to in terms of losing um, top uh, uh, employees, um, star performers in your organizations, and also risk um, producing a product um, that is not um, fit for your customer, that's not reflective of your customer base. And those are really, really important um, and potentially damaging um, risks to your business if you don't have diversity inclusion right from the get-go. Do you still own the business, Sarah? or have you had to raise some capital? 
Yes. So I still own the business and um, we have been very fortunate in the way that we manage our business. We've um, grown year on year, double digit um, growth and purely based on the profit that we generate. Tell, a bit, tell us a bit about how you started it. I mean, you said it was a passion project to start with. I yes. Presume you you had in mind wanting to change the world and turned out you've got a business. Pretty much. So about... Um, uh, five, six years ago, um, I um, I basically come from a background in marketing and branding. And throughout my career journey, I was quite confronted by the lack of development opportunities for women, particularly um, sort of mid-career talent, where that pipeline is um, very important for us to see more women in leadership. And so I looked around to see if there's any sort of organizations or businesses that um, caters to that niche and couldn't find anything. So I I took it upon myself to um, create the Dream Collective. And it started as a passion project. Um, and very soon after, within about a year and a year and a half, um, we find ourselves growing um, rapidly, exponentially. Um, and then so what happened was that I then quit my um, corporate job, um, which was a tough decision because I was going really well, um, but then decided to invest 100% of my energy into building the Dream Collective. And that proved to be a very... Um, uh, a very accurate decision because we've been in double digit growth uh, year on year ever since then. I was going to say it sounds like you hit the glass ceiling, but it sounds maybe you didn't. You sound, you no, I think we well. are only at the beginning of the journey, and in particular, sixty percent of our business is now um, international. So we've actually serviced global clients all the way from Silicon Valley to Australia to Singapore, China, Japan, Malaysia, even to Pakistan last year. So. I say that we're only at the beginning of our journey, Alan. <laughs> How big? Um, no, I mean, when I said glass ceilings, I meant in your corporate career that you that you hit that. But you said you were going mm. very well there. Mm, yes, I was going very well. Um, and you know, I haven't been. I've never been the type of people that has wanted to be an entrepreneur ever since they were young. Um, I think I what I did was that um, I found um, a gap in the market, produced a product that we're proud of and that really resonates with the need of the market. And yeah, so I think the the entrepreneur sort of um, opportunity found me, um, not the other way around, I would say. And so what's your turnover now? Give us a sense of the size of the business. Uh, so we're a private company, so that's not something that we actually disclose publicly. Um, but I would say that in terms of the growth trajectory, um, we are on about 20 to 25% growth year on year. And, and how many people on your staff? So we've got about uh, 12 uh, people. Um, that's the core team. And then globally, we've got about 25 thereabouts. Yeah, right. Well, congratulations, Sarah. Fantastic effort. Good on you. Thank you very much, Alan. Thanks for talking to us. I've been talking to Sarah Liu, who's the founder and managing director of the Dream Collective.